Do we do theme song, podcast intro, then how how yes. how you been? Is that the order? Yes. Yeah. You're definitely gonna include this. This is in the cold open for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's we're doing it right now. So <laughs> theme song time. Welcome back, dear listeners, to Avatar The First Viewing. This is the podcast where a first-time watcher of the show Avatar, The Last Airbender, the beloved Nickelodeon animated series, goes to and watches the entire thing for the first time alongside an Avatar expert, I am your avatar expert, Eli. I am your avatar newbie, Peter. And Nikki has joined us once again. Hello, hello. Hello, Nikki. Peter, how are you? Dude, I'm good. I gotta say, I didn't really process it last time, but your mic, your vo- your vocal right now is just mwah, chef's kiss. It's, oh, really? Uh, yeah, when you, you turned on like the radio host, like the DJ, like the disc jockey MC voice. Just now? Just now for the intro, you're like, welcome back. To, and it was, it, was great. it was great. It was great. I was like, ooh. I think it, it's partially it's the morning and still waking up a little bit. It's been a slow morning for uh, me. You got the baritone going. But I, I do think the uh, mic is catching that a lot better. Good. Than, uh, I mean, today is uh, spring forward. So oh. we lost a little bit of sleep. But when, it's honestly like my, one of my favorite days of the year because – I personally think that we should get rid of, just keep it as spring forward all the time. Wow. Because how dare I, you? I hate when the sun sets at 4 p.m. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate it. Wait, why do we do that again? We do it because of consumerism or something? It's something about consumerism uh, where they want the More, sun. Yeah. And I thought it was with farming. And then now it's like, now the argument is always, oh, but if we don't do it, then kids will have to walk to school in the dark what and i'm like fuck them kids dude Uh, america does (laughs) america does the wildest things man just like i know weird imagine if you didn't know daylight savings time existed and someone suggested it like how (laughs) dumb and insane yeah like seem to you you know what i mean like what do you mean it's time it's time just just Uh, keep time like what what are you talking about (laughs) It's all arbitrary. Yeah. And, you know, Arizona doesn't do it. Really? No daylight savings in Arizona. Yep. Good for certain countries. Good for Arizona. Italy doesn't do it. Well, Korea doesn't. Wait, um, are there are other countries that do it? Yeah. They wow. are. I, I didn't know there were. I thought it was just America. Like, kind of no, like I the, remember uh, when. Yeah. Like the, uh, what's the other system? Not metric, but the but the system. No, the imperial system. Yeah, the imperial system. That, okay. Is that what it's called? Like pounds know. and feet and so on? Uh, I'm gonna Google it. This is a fact check. Okay. Metric. I I do remember when um, Imperial. Yeah. We studied abroad in Prague. I remember daylight savings hit, and we're like, oh, I guess it's a thing. Oh, in Prague too. Yeah. Oh, I vaguely remember that, dude. How good? Wait, are, were you like a cylindrical cinnamon pretzel guy, or were you a mm. fancy pretzel, fancy hot dog guy? You know what I'm talking about? What are those called? I was both. I what love are those, those called again? I forget. But it was like a. Uh, I used to love the. It was oh, Tradilnik. Tradilnik. No, th- it th- sounds that's like the pretzel. That's how I remember yeah, it. <laughs> but that's the uh, that's the cylindrical pretzel thing, right? Yeah, yeah. No, but I was more of the fancy hot the dog sausage. Guy. Yeah, because the, the hot dogs there, it was like, 
It was like a kielbasa almost. Yeah. It's not like but an American. But that kielbasa one. is Polish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But this was Czech. like a Czech one. I don't. Uh-huh. So sorry, Czech listeners. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I heard this podcast is blowing up in Czech Republic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I, I'm not sure what it's called, but it's that in like a little baguette, which is also not. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, it was French. so. It was so good. It was right there in. Uh, What's it called? Old Times Square. Square. Old, 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 Square. Old, old Town Square. Old Town. Old Town Square, where the clock tower is, yeah, yeah, yeah. The astronomical clock tower, which was really cool. Yeah. I remember walking by that every day. Yeah. And then now, I remember it was in construction while I was there, but it's fully done. It's like a major tourist attraction now, is the Jan Hus statue and memorial that's right in the middle of Old Town oh, Square now. I don't think that even was there then when I was there, because that was before you. No, they were building it when, when I was there. Yeah. Dude, it's weird to think that NYU has a building like right there. Right there. Yeah. Right there in that. I don't know Square. how they got that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the money's. And I guess, like, money's, yeah. like, fancy enough. I don't know. Oh, yeah. That definitely. We're, no, we're no Harvard, but. Well, we're the thing is, we're the global network university. So. Yeah, we're just in the cloud. Of course. Now, actually. But of course we have a building there. <laughs> <laughs> Being the global network yeah, university. Yeah. That's the, the, some good this, nostalgia there. This turned into a, <laughs> the great digression. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, let's bring it on back. Yeah. Today we watched. You think you'll season use any two. of that? <laughs> yeah, I think we will. I wanted. I want everyone to know how much I love Tradilniks, however you say it. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Czech. Google it. It's really. It's it's cool. Oh, it's, it's so good. Yeah. It's if you guys haven't had it before, it's basically like a fried kind of donut like, maybe churro like thing. It's crispy, uh, but kind of fluffy, and it's in the shape of a cylinder. You can get it by itself, and it's like cinnamony on the outside. But sometimes, if you ask for it, they'll put the Nutella in the middle, and it's just so freaking good. And you can peel off a bit of it. It's kind of like, you know, when you're opening the Pillsbury croissant cans, and you tear the paper, and it comes out in a little spiral. That's how I like to eat it. That's exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's cooked around like a metal thing or something. Right, yeah. And they they, uh, it's like on a a spit, or it's a rotisserie cooked. Right, yes. they rotate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyways, welcome to back to back the to welcome back to the Trittlenick podcast. <laughs> <laughs> to to talk about Avatar today, we'll be talking about season two, episode eleven. Yes, the dessert. Av- the dessert. One <laughs> one s is desert. Two s is dessert. I'll never ah, forget the, that. The dessert. Like, you want a lot of dessert. Yeah, the therefore two s's. <laughs> oh, I have a What's yours, Nick? Um, how does it go? It's like stressed spelled backwards is desserts. Oh. Stressed? Well, not desserts. Dessert. Oh, I didn't. No, Whoa. Desserts, yeah. Really? Stressed. Desserts. I'm gonna type it out right now because I can't. That's how you type. Desserts. Wow. Fun fact. I never. I did not know that. It's because at my elementary school, the receptionist had that, like, quote sitting on her desk. <laughs> That's really random. Anyways, we're talking about the desert. Bah, bah, bah. We always start off with our freshman. Sorry, I, I said that last time, too. Our newbie recap. Yeah, that's so, like the last newbie. thing, bro. Come on. <laughs> I know. Newbie, please recap. Yep, yep. Yeah, dude, this was this was an interesting episode. Uh, not epic, but I really like that. Anyway, um. Newbie recap. I'm gonna do the I'm gonna do the Zuko Iro story, and then I'll do the Ang Gang story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So 
basically, uh, Zuko and Iroh are wandering around kind of on the run again, on the lamb, and they run into Colonel Monkey and the Rough Rhino crew. Yeah. And then they flee after a pretty cool fight scene and end up in the desert town that Angang just passed through. That's where these two, like, Earth, uh, Earth Kingdom bounty hunters that were hired, I, I guess, presumably to, to find Toph, track them down and they are like, oh, they're like wanted bounties. We might as well go after them. But then they get away because uh, Uncle Iroh is part of this like White Lotus frat Illuminati group that uh-huh. uh, helps them kind of uh, get smuggled into Bossing Se, where they think that they can just hide as captives because it's a bustling city. Mm-hmm. That's the beeline. That's the uh, Iroh Zuko side. And gang, if you remember where they left off last episode, they pick right back up in the middle of the desert after Appa's been carried away by these sandbenders on these sand sail ships. Ang is freaking pissed. Uh, we see like a really vengeful, pissed, dickish side of Ang this episode. Yep. Uh, which is kind of interesting to see. Uh, and then they kind of wander around the desert in search of Appa. Well, first of all, Sokka does some ayahuasca, which is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> and then they find this uh, abandoned uh, sand ship. They use it to navigate to this big rock that happens to be this Jurassic wasp nest. They fight him for a bit. Yeah. They encounter the sand people and gets Old Testament mad again. And then like <laughs> the one of the sand people are like, oh, fight, it was me. I traded off with two, some merchants. They're taking him to Bossing State. So uh, both parties... Headed to Bossing Say. And, oh, and also significant, like, Ang goes into, like, angry Mudkip Psyduck mode. The, Ang, the, the, mm. <laughs> the Avatar state. Because the he's Avatar state. really upset about Appa being traded. Everyone kind of is like, oh, shit, run. And Katara is, like, sad-eyed. Pulls him down and hugs him. And he's, like, shedding yeah. Avatar tears. And he calms down. That's how they We have a callback to Season 1, Episode 3. When Ooh. he sees the skeleton of Gyatso. And oh, yeah. And does the same thing in his little air bubble. Yep. And she does the same thing. She pulls him down. Oh, did he do that? Did she do that, like, that then yeah. as well? Mm-hmm. Huh. Huh. I, I guess of no, we're kind of getting right into it. He seems more sentient. He seems more conscious this time around, for sure. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. in the season one version, it's like he wasn't even there. He was just in, like, a white yeah. hot, like, He's different in a trance. state. But here, it was almost like it's, you know, it's kind of like when we become more conscious and mindful of our patterns and mind thought, uh-huh. you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he was certainly very like manifesting his fear in rage. I could hear Yoda talking in the background yeah, of this exactly, entire episode. Yeah. yeah very Yoda. Like anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. All that. that Dude, I gotta, I gotta rewatch star Wars from like, a, like from the spiritual side, man. Like, Oh yeah. I mean, it, the, the, there's a lot of parallels because like Buddhist philosophy is yeah. definitely yeah woven very influential in this the idea of the mysticism of the force and yep. the light versus dark and all that. Yeah. Um I you know as a kid you only watch it for the lightsabers or mm-hmm. I did. But yeah, I mean yeah, so there's I. a lot to nerd out about in terms of philosophy. Anyway, um mm-hmm. that was the episode. I thought it was a really solid I, they they have all these like epic epic episodes that's easy for us to freak out about. And then, yeah. that, and then they have these, like, really, like, nuanced kind of, like, I don't know, like, easy to kind of miss how good they are episodes. And I think this is one of those. Yeah, I I definitely feel that way. I think this one, not my favorite episode, because uh, 
I'm just used to things in season two. Like a lot of stuff happens every episode. I feel like not as much stuff happens this episode. Yeah. However, we the, it's, it is a. I want to get your take in predictions on a couple of revelations this episode. So what do you have to say about Uncle Iroh being in this White Lotus organization? That's a great question. I think if they never touch it again, I'm going to be a little annoyed because then it's going to be kind of this like, oh, you, you kind of like lazy. You just like invented this little side network to right. like get yeah. him out of this one little thing. I think if they do like give it a few nods of like at breathing some life and complexity and color into it, 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 it would be this really cool added dimensionality to the world because from what I gathered from that interaction, it almost is on a different vector from sovereign, uh-huh. sovereign loyalty. Yep. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it almost didn't matter what nation Iro was from or that, I don't know, maybe the, maybe the white Lotus guy did not know he was a fire bender or a fire general, but it mm-hmm. almost seemed like it didn't matter. And the fact that he was a high ranking white Lotus member, almost like trumps even yep. like his like military history or anything like that in this network. So I don't know. I think it would be a really cool Illuminati ass thing to see. You know, I don't think it's going to become like a highly relevant force that is formidable versus like actual like earth nation forces or anything like that. I hope Uh it does somewhat play a role. Right. Cause it's, it's a secret society. So secret societies are not ones to take on entire armies. Yeah. But what do you, how do you think if, if you do think that, this will be a larger part of the story. How do you think it's going to manifest in the future? Um, Via Iroh or other characters, or what do you think? I mean, I, I feel like if anything, it'll be kind of like, a, <laughs> I haven't read Dune and I've only seen the first episode or first part, but you know, like the uh, witches or whatever. Like, the Bene Gesserit. The Bene Gesserit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I so love those they, words. They have their own motives and what do you think those are then yeah i feel like they probably have motives that kind of transcend this maybe like war like they're not trying to like or, or like they're trying to tap things in the right direction kind of thing and i'm sure they have like uh-huh. high-ranking members across the different nations okay if iroh's gonna be a part of it and like yeah. pour resources and give resources into it I, one would hope one would hope I feel like Boomy would be a part of this. Boomy seems like a good, good guy, yeah. like wise guy with like resources. Uh-huh. I'm, trying, I'm trying to think who else would be in it. Ooh, maybe that fire guy, the angry fire guy that wouldn't yep. initially teach Aang is uh-huh. a part of it. I could see that. I could okay. see that. Ooh, now I'm like getting, now I'm like <laughs> writing some fan fiction in my head. <laughs> so yeah, maybe they, maybe they all come back out of the blue somehow. I don't think it's gonna play. I, I like. There's going to be some culminating, like, battle war thing, right? Uh-huh. I don't think that this this secret society is going to play a role in that. I think it's going to be... I think they're going to play a role maybe one or two more times in, like, the espionage build-up part of yeah. season three. Okay, cool. Does that answer your question, I guess? That absolutely answers my question. All right, well, I guess that's kind of predictions. On. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what I want to talk about. But yeah. last episode, you said you thought that they would find Appa this episode. Yeah, I was wrong about that, I guess. So what do you think is in store for Appa? Okay, so they said that they s- traded Appa to some merchants that are taking him to Ba Sing Se. So yeah. all roads lead to Ba Sing Se. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty yep. sure they've se- literally <laughs> said that before, right? That was a song, right? Oh, yeah? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, maybe? I don't know. 
feel like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, clearly, we're, I'm not as nerdy as some fans out there, but uh, what's in store for Appa? I mean, I don't know. I think that's the thing is like, I'm not actually worried about Appa. Like, if I was right. Aang right now, I'd be very fearful of Appa getting hurt. But like, as a viewer, like, he's so merchandisable. He, like, what are you going to yeah. kill Appa? <laughs> it's a kid's show, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think he's going to be fun. Oh my God. Are they gonna kill Appa? No, no, no! <laughs> come on! I don't think so. I don't think so. If if he's dead before even no, 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 there's no fucking way. There's no fucking way Appa dies on this show. Wait, now I'm talking I myself think... into it. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. He's definitely fine for this arc, like for season two. Okay. I think they're gonna find him. He's probably gonna be getting like, I, I don't mean to say this too casually, but like mistreated or like abused, mm. like. Maybe they're making him do like weird circus stuff or like, like mm-hmm. weird like farm labor or something. Yeah. But I think ultimately he's he's not going to be maimed. I think he's going to be fine. They're going to find him. He's not exactly easy to okay. miss. And I think there's going to be a bit of a kerfuffle as Ang gets him back. But I don't predict it being like too much of a thing that they get him okay. back. Like I don't think the the it of the next episode is going to be getting Oppa back. I think they're going to get Oppa back, and there's going to be a different it. Okay. That's my prediction. And so it does seem like next episode they'll be in Bossing Stay, right? Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, that, uh, both parties are like, well, we got to go there for Appa or we got to go there to hide. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, the Rose are leading us there. Yeah. F- hopefully, finally, I want to see this Bossing Stay. I want to see it visually. I want to see it culturally. I want to see it executed. Mm-hmm. They may have said this in past episodes, but I relearned it that it's the Earth Kingdom capital, which, yeah. in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense. Like, that's why. Iroh right. was trying to take it over. That would have, like, won him the freaking war, mm. pretty much. And he also says, like, oh, it's the safest place from the Fire King Nation. Like, yeah. Even I couldn't take it over. I guess, presumably, like, the highest earthbender in the land would also would reside there. there. Okay. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see that. Maybe there's, like, another princess that they're going to do a side story with. <laughs> with, uh, with Sokka. With Sokka in, you know, who knows? We'll see. They did mention Yue in this episode. Though. Yeah, I thought that was actually very sweet. Very cute. Yeah. Especially yeah. while he was high, you know? Yeah. I it has a lasting a... impact on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good that they keep that around. Like, to, to pause on that a bit, like, so what happened is multiple cool parts about this scene. Ang goes up and waterbends some water from a cloud into a pouch. Which I just thought like that little tidbit was a cool thing, but uh, they see the cloud because it crosses over the 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 moon, and Sokka is like still coming off of his trip, and he's like, "Why would Princess Yue need a cloud? Like, yeah, moon like the moon can fl- like she can fly on her own or something." And to me, I thought that was very sweet because one, like you can clearly tell that like his sub- like his wall is down, like his conscious yeah. fil- filter uh-huh. is down. Totally. And yeah. and you it's you can kind of sense that he constantly thinks about her as he, and like yeah. consi- constantly like looks at the moon and thinks about her as the moon like yeah and that kind of shows through in a in a kind of like sad but sweet way um, I thought that was a yeah really cool like I don't know three dimensionality that they had there agreed because it's it's rare for Sokka to let his guard down so right, when right. he's hallucinating it makes total sense for it to happen. Yeah. Shall we discuss our favorite scenes? Yep, yep. I think my shout outs I'll give to the um, 
the ayahuasca shots yeah. where where he drinks the uh where he drinks the cactus water cactus juice like the like the, the cactus juice the quenchiest yeah. quenchy yeah uh, <laughs> so good for the people listening if you don't remember the episode they basically like zoom in like full like fast into his eye his eyes dilate the the camera angle twists out and it fully saturates way bumped yeah yeah Yeah. high saturation if you watch like uh better call saul like the opening sequence of that like high saturation and then he gets all twitchy and like weird animation looking very very similar to um fear and loathing in las vegas with johnny depp it was just very much recognizable uh like indie like cult film tropes yeah. Of how uh, psychedelics are depicted, and then there was also this like weird like wee woo like kind of yeah, like Kill Bill the in the background. Coming off of last episode where they did like a Tarantino like foot shot, like I, <laughs> yeah. I, I I can't I can't I I can't shake the feeling that like in this era like some film nerds are like having an input in yeah. the direction. Um, I think it's oh really yeah, fun. I mean that I would wouldn't put it past the directors to want to include that stuff. Oh yeah, for know. sure. I have uh, a part that I really like about this episode. All right, you go. I think the, that, that I might, one. I may make this a thesis. Ooh, okay. I have zero thesis today. Okay, you go. Okay, well, let me just put it out there. Maybe I'll make it a thesis later. But the rhino section, I was thinking about what's the point of this scene. And it's a lot of it has to do with Iroh constantly telling Zuko, like, things are not as they seem that the Fire Nation has told you. Because... At every step of the way, Iroh is showing him that like, oh, I know more and I've traveled outside the Fire Nation and I know about waterbenders and I know about the other nations. Um, and when the little squad ambushes them, the part that I like the most is when he's like, oh, and they're very accomplished musicians. Yeah. And that kind of throws Zuko for a twist. Is that the right yeah. term? Because he he can't see this side of anybody that's powerful. Yeah. But that's obviously what Iroh cares about because he has a very human element to him. And then they proceeds them going to the White Lotus and this old man being more than he seems in terms of uh, being able to help him smuggle them t- to safety. So I just like that that is implanted with the the squad being musicians and how they're each formidable at their own weapon. But they're also familiar, formidable with their own instrument or their own style of music. He said one of them has a jazz style. Who, oh, the, really? The guy who was holding the I uh, Guan Yu. Yeah. There's one guy who's holding a Guan Yu spear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, From like Three Kingdoms, right? A yeah. glaive. Yeah. Uh, and he says. Dude, you just. You, I love that you know that that's. Yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, it's. Well, I mean, it's. this is all from playing the. Uh, I got into Three Kingdoms mythology because there's this game, Total War Three Kingdoms. Oh, and you is? kind of like roll, yeah. You get to role play as any of the emperor yeah. or the. It's more than just like the three kingdoms of. Uh, if I, let's see if I can remember. It's Cao Cao, right? Uh-huh, and uh-huh. dude, he's uh, so epic, bro. Cao Cao, Lu Bei, and yeah. I can't remember the third guy. Yeah, I forget too. It's but those are the ones that you talk about a lot. But then there's a bunch of you can play everyone because there's obviously like hundreds of characters during that time. You can play like the northern warlords, the western warlords. Uh, and then the southern kingdoms, which weren't really involved. That aside, the Guan Yu spear is very iconic yeah, uh, yeah, from yeah. that story. Guan Yu, the legendary, yeah. uh, with the long beard and the tall stature uh, yeah. this, that this guy was holding, uh, this character, but also his jazz style. 
um, oh, you come to think of it, like yeah, like they kind of animated them in that kind of style too. Yeah. Uh huh. I was actually thinking about the Three Kingdoms as you were talking about yeah. the scene. There's a lot that goes around the lore of Guan Yu, but one of the reasons he's so like I don't know respected, other than his like fighting ability, his leadership capability is like is his like integrity mm-hmm. and like loyalty and like unshaking. I don't know, like honesty, like those kind of yeah, things. Yeah. Yeah, the good guys. They're the good yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this one encounter where, like, Zhao Zhao tries to, like, recruit him. Yeah. And, like, like it really made sense for him to convert, other than yep. the fact that he was just, like, loyal to... Yeah. Uh, Liu Bei. Liu, Liu Bei, Liu Bei or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And that made Zhao Zhao, like, respect him even more. And I kind of yeah. felt that vibe between the R- Rough Rhinos and uh, Iroh in that moment, where, like... Yeah. They clearly like respected each other, and yeah. they clearly also respected the fact that like. But that's not the point here. The point here is like you guys are executing like Fire Nation orders. Mm-hmm. Like if it wasn't for those orders, th- they would be like getting a drink and singing around a fire. Yeah, like they totally. they fucking you, you they feel fucking that between yeah them. yeah. That's what's so great about Iroh as a character. Uh, what I love seeing him interact with any other character that it, it always surprises you. That's what I love about him. Shall we quickly cover what we didn't like? I don't really like the the characters that are pursuing Toph. I feel like they're supposed to be viewed as a threat, but I don't really see them as a threat. I think as soon as anyone, any of the main characters fights them, it's going to be like, ah, whatever, just toss them aside. They don't seem that tough to me. That's fair. That, wait, I didn't think about that because it was more of like, there's just like a pressure that like they're a plot device, you know? Right. Um, and like you can use characters like that and they've done it successfully in this show before of like yeah. the, I think her name is June, the bounty hunter. Oh yeah. The smelly, the, like, the smelly yeah, eater. The, exactly. She was like a credible threat against them. Right. Yeah. You're right. Dude. I'm upset that they only used her once. She was such a good character. Yeah. But I think that's just cause I, I like that kind of strong female character. <laughs> yeah. e- emo uh, female character. A la Catwoman. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, yeah, I've I've seen the Batman man. Oh, I saw it on Friday. Ah, dude, we could we can do a whole episode. (laughs) What was I gonna say? Oh, yeah, you're. That's actually a really good comparison, dude. Like, she's a great example of a one-time character that was really done well, and like the threat felt real. You're. They seem more like Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Especially the teacher guy. You know, he's not dangerous and they're trying to have this um, sort of good cop bad cop dynamic between them but it still is not yeah, yeah it still comes off as timon and pumbaa to me especially because uh later on also in avatar there'll be more characters like this and in legend of korra who are very threatening even to the avatar oh interesting yeah yeah no yeah you're right and also like the teacher character of the two henchmen they this is like the third time they've used this, this voice actor because yeah. I I recognize that voice freaking every time. <laughs> yeah. Every time. I mean like like why not use the same voice actors, but it's the same one that I'm pretty sure it's the same one that did the uncle from Jackie Chan Adventures and I say it every time. Uh-huh. Like yeah. I mean he's so good. I love that voice. There's like a like a twang yeah. in his voice. That's he, so good. He has the just a, such a nice guy his voice. That characteristic is just unavoidable whenever he speaks. Yeah. I don't see well, him as this bad guy. Oh, I, I really like it. It's good because um, there's like this aristocratic like 
Yeah. E- easy to like a high horsey aristocratic yeah. twang to his voice. That's very easy to put on someone that like you want to be like not that likable. That's how I take it. It sounds like yeah, you actually you find mean. him to be likable. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that guy's voice. Very recognizable though. So sometimes mm-hmm. it does like take me out of it. I'm like, oh, there he is again. Uh, did you have a criticism of this episode you want to share? Yeah, I, my criticism, I think the um, the part where they kind of like pressure the sand bandit into like revealing that he is the one that kidnapped Appa and like traded him. Yeah. I thought that was a little bit rushed. It felt a little clunky. The way that they did it was Toph is like, oh, I recognize that voice anywhere. And I recognize that that's the one that said muzzle Appa. Yeah. And then like, and kind of flexes his avatar shit. And like, he kind Mm. of wets his pants and reveals it. I don't know. That's that kind of seemed clunky. I I don't know. It it felt like rushed. It felt kind of rushed. I don't know how else to say it. There wasn't like an it to it. It was just like. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm, my explanation of why it's meh is as meh as my <laughs> as meh as the execution. <laughs> it's, but, but, yeah, I, I get you mean. I think things can oftentimes feel rushed because of yeah. the short format of the show. Yeah, the show. Yeah, but I mean, it is it is what it is. I'm not, I'm not too mad about it. That that was just like my one critique that I had. But but another thing to point out in that scene I thought was kind of funny or cool was. Uh, Toph goes, uh, that's the guy that said to muzzle Appa. And then Aang goes, you muzzled Appa? <laughs> and, then, and then and then, in like a, a reverb, like double layered, angry Old Testament voice. Next thing he's like, tell me where Appa is. Yeah. And then I think like, it was uh, Roku's voice on top of his. Uh, right? That would make sense. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he was in the Avatar state. So it's like all of the Avatar speaking at once. Right. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta watch Princess Mononoke. I, I pulled some images up. Yeah, it's on my top five favorite movies. I would say. Wow, I love that movie. Really, it's really good. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, you can put this in the podcast or now, but like, name some other top fives. Because top five is, I usually safely say top ten. Because <laughs> top five, top there's five, very... it is. It's one of my favorite movies. Wow, so, dude. Top yeah. five, like. I there's very few that I would hard put my foot down and say top five. I, I would say one is the Matrix. Ah, yeah, I love that. I, I don't even I don't even know what else I would put in the top five. For me, I I had to think about it recently, but it's also Lord of the Rings: Fellowship of the Ring. It's like that is my oh. all time favorite movie. Oh, definitively, really? I never get tired watching it, and yeah. I get emotional watching it every time. So yeah, that's a favorite, favorite for sure. Movie. I don't know if I would put it top five or even ten, but I would. I would safely yeah. say one of my favorites, which is such a non-committal answer. I would put, oh, I know one, Office Space. I love Office Space. I've only seen that a couple times. Actually, that's I know. That's more. I know that that's not that amazing of a movie, comparatively. You don't it's have just like it, such a personal favorite. Yeah, it's not. It just speaks not to point. me. It's your favorite movie. It's not. Oh, you know what yeah. is in my top five? Uh, Princess Princess Bride. Princess Bride. Uh, I love a, that movie. It's a top fiver. So funny. So good. So enchanting. So good. All right, back to the podcast. I'll yeah. think of some more for that. But Ratatouille is my, one of my really? top five. That's bottom five it's, for me, man. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> oh, look at perfect. Nikki's face. Bottom. Nikki's face. <laughs> no, was it my favorite Thank Pixar? It, it is a flawless. What? Flawless movie. It's perfectly paced. The humor is good. The drama is good. I thought this the, was a meme. I thought it's inventive. I thought people, it's original. It's so I, good. I've, 
I've seen this sentiment online before, but I thought it was all memeing. No, it's really. It's. A, I think it's definitely my. Maybe I need definitely to the best it. Pixar movie. What? what? Oh no! I, best Coco is Nikki's favorite. Yeah. Okay, we're talking of all time. We got Toy Story. We got Finding Nemo. We okay. Got... Yeah, yeah. So those those two, I think, are the other two best. Okay. Finding Nemo is also like, it's, it's very well paced. However, I will say the middle of that movie falls. It's it's the beginning of the Pixar trend of excellent first act, excellent third act. The second act is them just kind of doing shenanigans, and that's how that movie uh, is. Although I like the shenanigans, and they're kinda, all iconic. I feel that, but Toy Story doesn't suffer for this. It's a very yeah. simple, straightforward movie that goes from point A to B to C to D in a logical fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so does Ratatouille. It doesn't suffer from a, a bad middle. That's what's so good about it. Every act is very good. Yeah, I'm skeptical, man. I'll go rewatch it. I'll go rewatch yeah. it because I I remember watching it. But like not with my full like a t- like full I don't know attentive mm-hmm. like film watching hat on. I kind of dismissed it to start. Also, I was probably too young. Oh, you haven't seen it since you're like what fifteen? I haven't. Re- yeah, I haven't watched it since like it came out. I don't oh, I remember man. when it came out. That's your homework <laughs> for today. Watch Special Ratatouille. episode of Avatar: The Last, the first viewing. <laughs> Ratatouille. Yeah. Um. Okay. Thesis time. What is your freshman year bogus thesis? Yep, yep. I have a thesis, though. We can get started. All right, go, go, go. Okay. My thesis is, although this is part of Iroh's character, this is part of who he is, one of the reasons that he is fat is because he wants Ooh. people to underestimate him. Ooh! <laughs> so he what? loves food, and he loves living life, but... He wants to maintain this persona of seemingly weak man. Dude, someone's been reading some Robert Greene, like some some. What, you know what is that? Green? No. <laughs> He's the guy that wrote Forty Eight Laws of Power, like Thirty Two yeah. Rules of War, some number of rules of uh, seduction. Like, okay. do you know those books? No. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those tomes that like everyone in nonfiction self help reads. Okay, gotcha. Um, anyway, but uh, like that, one of the tenets of power is this law very much applies to Donald Trump. To let your opponents underestimate you and like make you out to be a, like a fool, kind of thing. Yeah, uh, he definitely does that. Yeah, well, well, elaborate on that because it's, uh, that's juicy. Well, I want to tie back to what I said before. I said I'll come up with a thesis for this, and here it is: is like he's constantly coming into contact with these people, uh, and he knows their deeper character. He knows these definitely spent time with the this gang that's hunting them before and knows their musicians. Uh, to Zuko, that is an insult, but to him, that's just true to their character. And Iroh, as we've talked about in previous episodes, is very happy to play the helpless fool and to make himself look weak, let people beat up on him if necessary to help others. And he does that successfully by having this persona, which is... He tricked us. He tricked you in the first episode of, oh, he's just this, you know, old wise guy. He's probably not going to make that much impact in the story. (laughs) Yikes. (laughs) But (laughs) he did. I remember you saying that episode one. But, you know, deep down people, he's revered from not only the Fire Nation, but the Earth Kingdom as this legendary general. 
you know, while Ozai thinks of him the same way as this guy that he can step on, but is obviously having huge impact on the world, even as an exile. Ooh, facts. So that's my thesis. It's a good thesis. You like zoomed out a bit, but it's very applicable and does tie yeah. back to this episode. Mm-hmm. So for my thesis, one of those weeks, one of those episodes where I'm like very blah, blah. Like I don't have yeah, anything to form. Just go ahead. But there's definitely a nugget around Aang and how his intense fear is manifesting in the form of rage. Mm-hmm. There's an it there. I also think there's an it around Sokka's psychedelic experience. Mm-hmm. And one, how he perceives. Oh, wait. So there's three things he perceives. Oh, I, I like this is really Sokka. Sokka perceives. Yeah, what did his trip tell him? So his trips, one, there where he sees the moon and UA. He sees the yep. moon for UA watching down on him. Uh-huh. Two, he uh he foresees danger uh-huh. in the circle birds. Like yep. it was almost like a premonition like that. Like yep. he saw them. And then, like, no one else later, yeah, no one else even fucking like batted an eye, but he, like, let's ask the circle birds. And then, once we got to the circle birds, that's where the opposite shit was found out. Holy shit. His what? He said, let's ask the circle birds. Yeah. And then later, when they got to the circle birds, hive, they find out about Appa. That's where they found the answers. So mm. he was right. Is he, uh, Holy did he shit. see the future? Uh, so he that saw the... the answer. That's the thesis. And then the other thing. This is bogus as hell. He saw a nuclear warhead-like cloud. Yep. Uh-huh. And said it was a friendly mushroom. So what does that mean? That mean what does that? <laughs> what does that mean? That means sometimes when we what we are told is dangerous is actually ego death is actually mind opening. <laughs> <laughs> I this love is me it. really forcing a thesis. <laughs> That's the name of the I don't even podcast, know what the man. I don't even know what the overarching thesis is. No. This is me just saying, oh, he tripped and it was cool. <laughs> yeah. We like that this happened to him. Yeah. You know what else we like, Peter? What do we like? What do we like, Eli? You, dear viewer. We like you for listening to this podcast yet again. Season two, episode eleven. This has been Avatar The First Viewing. Thank you for listening. Please continue to leave us a a comment or rate us on Apple Podcasts or now Spotify. I see that we actually have some ratings now on Spotify and some people have been uh, rating some more. So thank you to whoever has done that. And thank you to those who have reached out to us individually and said, hey, I love the podcast. Uh, Really keeps us going. And reminds us of why we do it. We do it because y'all like it. But on, I mean, I mean, also we do it because yeah, it's fun. We do it because we like it. <laughs> but also, we love that you like it. Yes, yes, we do. And speaking of um, speaking of the end of the episode, I want to do a quick shout out to our sponsor. Is that me? Okay. Uh, yeah. th- this episode's this episode has been sponsored by uh, Mushroom Lions Main Chaga Coffee. Mushroom uh-huh. coffee. Microdosing? No, it's actually just mushroom coffee. It's just like... Uh, oh, it, like, okay. It's non-psychedelic. Uh, lion's Mane Chaga something tea. It's good. Try it. It's tea. <laughs> Wait, is it tea or coffee? I think it's... I'm going to look it up. Are there coffee beans involved in this beverage? So Lion's Mane is a, is a fung, fungi. 
So I actually, so Four Sigmatic is actually a very, like one of those like athletic greens, like Four Sigmatic yeah. Coffee is like one of those go-to podcast sponsors. And they have a Lion's Mane and Chaga Coffee. Now, I don't know if that means it it's mushroom infused coffee or it's like faux coffee that is made of only mushroom. But either mm. way, uh, it's pretty good. Wow. I actually just shouted out like an actual brand. <laughs> I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to do that, but, um, I don't know. I just wanted to say mushroom coffee. <laughs> I haven't had it. I can't drink coffee. I love the taste, dude, but good for you, dude. Can't, good I can't do you. caffeine. My body disagrees. Well, I think, I think you say that like it, you're unique in that it disagrees with your body. I think it's more that most people have trained their bodies, trained themselves to push yeah. through and not listen to their bodies. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, I, I feel really nauseated when I have coffee. Yeah. So it's, it's really like, well, I'm not doing that. It's, it's, well, uh, think, it's only yeah. if I am uh, active. I have to expend the energy that I get yeah. from coffee physically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't expend it mentally. It, and that doesn't work. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Well, Peter. Good episode. Would you like to uh, close us out with some words of wisdom? There are times where you, there are times where you might think that you're angry at someone else, but really, you just need a good cry. You just need Katara to give you a hug, and you just need a good cry. Seek love. Seek love.